Previously on WandaVision. Welcome back to Maximoff Overdrive, the podcast that puts the pedal to the metal and speeds headlong into recapping speculation and general excitement over the Disney Plus series WandaVision. I'm Lisa Schmeiser, and with me as always are Kelly Gamont. Hey, hey. And Don Melton. Howdy, howdy. We just finished watching episode eight of the nine series run titled Previously On. (laughs) (laughs) And to uh, call this episode a game changer in the MCU sounds hyperbolic, but it really isn't. Yeah. I'm still kind of processing, as it were, um, having just seen it like 12 hours Mm -hmm. after it dropped. Kelly and Don, um, if you had to pick one word right now to describe your reaction to the episode, what would that one word be? Mine is processing. (laughs) Kelly, what is yours? (laughs) I can't say mine because I have to edit the show and I would just have to edit myself out because it would be one of those words. Just a long (laughs) boop. Yeah, it would just be a long beat because... Like, this turned everything inside out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the pieces that we knew are all in a new light now. Don, what's the one word you would use to describe your reaction to this episode? I'd be like Kelly, only I wouldn't use one word. I know a lot more (laughs) of those in several languages. Oh, so do I. If I have to pick one, it's going to be one that I'd have to beep. Yeah. I'm I'm quite fond of Spanish and Arabic because they're just... So excellent to curse in. <laughs> they are. I was not expecting to cry as much as I did during this episode. Um, so so there was a lot of that. Oh, I know what you mean because I have it paused in the background on my favorite line. Aww. Just mm-hmm. so I can switch to that and tear up appropriately. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's um, no, this again. I don't come to the MCU to be made to feel things. And um, <laughs> this episode made me feel all the things. Um, it, tie- it it basically settles the um, debate that has been going through internet discourse uh, about the role of grief in WandaVision, where, mm-hmm. um, because wh- you will all recall, a scant eight weeks ago when the show first dropped, <laughs> people People were like, "Yeah, she's crackpot. She's nutty. She's gone off the deep end. She's crazy with magic. And there was like this little drumbeat of people going, no, the show is about grief. And I think we actually touched on that, too, when we pointed out everything Wanda Maximoff has been through. And I believe like I reeled it off and it sounded like this crazy litany. Yes. And then. And then the entire episode was basically given over to like the Wanda Maximoff trauma origin story. Yes. And I must say we were right and we were right early because we were all in, ag- in agreement in the first episode that we did, which covered the first three episodes of the series. But I would like to point out, oh boy, were we wrong about a lot of other stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> it's fun to be wrong about this stuff though. Oh yeah. So here's oh, yeah. why I find it fun to- to be wrong about TV stuff is because one, it means that the storytelling isn't predictable, but it still makes sense. And I love when the people who make my television bring such an A game to it that they can continue to surprise and delight and make it entirely believable and um, accretive on top of everything else. You know who else was uh, wrong? Uh, most of the internet this week uh, with <laughs> leaked summaries of episode eight and episode nine. I actually Good. got online. They were on 
4chan, which I would never touch with a 10-foot pole, but they made it to Reddit. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, what the heck? You know, I can live with spoilers. I read it and I was like, well, part of that is possible or whatever. And basically this episode, woof, it was like none of those things. Which is awesome. Yeah, which is awesome. (laughs) And thank God, because this episode was much better than that crap that was leaked online. So if you were like me and you actually read that, ha ha, you know, Nelson. (laughs) Nelson Muntz. Yeah, Nelson yeah. Mons, ha ha there. I'm, I'm normally fairly laissez-faire about spoilers. I am the type of person who reads the moviespoilersite.com. Um, and I'm like, oh, the pleasures and see how it all unfolds. And this is the show where I absolutely, do, like, I'm simultaneously dying to see how it's going to turn out. And I don't want to read spoilers because I want the pleasure of being shocked and surprised. Mm-hmm. Like... Or rather, I should say, there have been a lot of shocks and surprises in the last 12 months, but I would like the pleasure of being shocked and surprised in a controlled environment in a way that's no stakes for me. Um, Yes, a spectator to it as opposed to involved in it. And watching it unfold has has been a wild ride because even once we get like the new set of parameters for whatever's Mm -hmm. happening, right? Like, even... Even after that, oh, well, obviously, you know, then it seems like, oh, it makes more sense. You know, we got episode four. Oh, well, this is the direction they're going. Uh Uh-uh. So then we get episode five, which proves episode four wrong, and rinse repeat all the way up to now. So, yeah, I I was saying just before you hit record that um, uh, at least two of my theories have completely disintegrated uh, in the face of this episode. So... I'm yeah. just so I'm just so happy to have been so wrong about so many things. Me too. <laughs> yep, yep. And I, I would be lucky if it was only two of my theories that disintegrate. Well, there are two that I know I have declared that mm-hmm. are uh, that I know are wrong, uh, and I I still have an unanswered question. I really hope we get an answer in the next episode. Well, actually, speaking of, since the questions we would like to have answered is a part of our podcast, I'm going to run down for our viewers again, many of whom are probably still trying to decode all the profanity that you guys wanted to react with. Um, (laughs) Let's remind them how the format for the podcast goes. First, we go through the ritual where I ask if anyone wants to recap anything. Um, Once we complete the preliminaries, then we go on and do a round robin segment where we talk about what we loved, what we thought was notable, and what we want to just um, share with each other other with oh my gosh yeah once once that's done we do any sort of comics tie-ins or larger mcu tie-ins and then after we finish that segment we go to kelly's crackpot conspiracy corner and the questions we want answered we still right. have quite a few i are many i actually pulled up a text document and i have one two three four five six I have like seven separate questions just from this episode. So <laughs> I am not surprised. So there we go. Um, so let's begin the opening ceremonies. Would you guys like to take a crack at recapping this week's episode? <laughs> <laughs> There's just no way because you're so much better at it. Every week the flattery rings a little more hollow and I feel duped. <laughs> but it's absolutely true because there's no way because it, I keep telling you, like, one of us will do it, and then we'll just be off to the races. We will already be diverted by the time we get to, you know, the opening credits, honestly. Like, yeah, we're, Don Lisa, and I know Lisa, better. Kelly and anybody. And I have the, we have the attention span of one of those cicadas and just would not work with us doing it. 
And I have three seasons of Westworld podcasts as evidence that this is exactly how it will go. <laughs> okay. All right. So having made the argument that really this is for all of our goods, I'll do the I'll do the I'll do the I assure you. All right. So this is basically gonna be a recap of a recap because the entire episode is effectively dedicated to Wanda's backstory. So Which was very clever with the previously yeah. on title. Like yeah. this is really like it's kind of all new, but it's kind of not, which I really enjoyed the balance yeah. of. So go ahead and so, tell us about the episode. I'll be quiet. It's really elegant storytelling when you think about it, because it speaks to a lot of the questions that are raised in the past seven episodes and answers them. Um, so here's what we learn. The episode starts off with Agatha for surviving a failed attempt on her life by a coven of witches back during the Salem days, because apparently she was using dark magic. That was a no-no. We see her being pretty manipulative, but the leader of the coven is her mom and Agatha's mom has her number so turns out Agatha is able to use her magic which is like purpley to subvert the magic of the presumably good witches which is blue and she um, murders her mom before her mom can murder her and I feel like this is noteworthy because this makes Agatha quite possibly the only person in the MCU who could be motivated by mommy issues instead of daddy issues (laughs) That is novel. Ooh, good point. Yeah. So we learned that Agatha's aptitude for magic has been bolstered by centuries upon centuries of study. She's like a grammar pedant except for dark magic. And she uses her superior rules food to keep Wanda subdued in her spooky cellar. And she's all, how'd you do it, Wanda? How'd you do it? I was so patient. I tried to find out. Um... Basically, Agnes is the type of person who was probably really good at standardized tests, and she's basically lawful evil. And I am here for that particular alignment in the MCU, because when you get... I I feel like chaotic evil is intrinsically boring, since it's whatever. But like when you put lawful evil together with, say, chaotic good, it's always fun. Um, You know, see Exhibit A, the Guardian of the Galaxy movies. Okay. (laughs) Yes. So we also learn that um, Pietro was not, in fact, the prologue to bringing all of the X-Men into the MCU. It was just stunt casting because Pietro was, in fact, like a bit of magic that, that Agatha conjured up and he was effectively her eyes and ears. And this suddenly puts the whole scene in the um, Harvest Haunt in the middle of the town square mm. into a lot of context because all the questions he's asking her were basically Agatha interrogating Wanda. Um So I also love how um, (laughs) this makes things look terrible for poor Monica, who was caught by Pietro in last week's credits. And we see no, we see, we don't see any of her this week. We don't even get a mention of her. Um, I guess Agatha is just that good with multitasking. We'll find out next week. Um, (laughs) So Agatha persists with, how did you do it? I don't know. And, And Amanda's like, I don't know. I tell you, I don't know how I managed to, turn an entire town into an elaborate TV set and keep people going in their little in their little subplots and dramas without even thinking about it. And Agatha's like, okay, fine, we're gonna have to go to the source and romp through your past to see what your deal is. And then she takes Wanda through a series of incredibly painful flashbacks. So we learn that the deal is when Wanda was likely already a little baby witch, um, who nobody knew was a witch, back in Sokovia and she and Pietro were orphaned during family television night uh, which was a family ritual they would watch different sitcoms so they could practice their English and while they're watching the Dick Van Dyke episode um, about walnuts <laughs> I didn't I didn't write down the title and I'm sorry uh, that's my when my favorite episode 
it was her favorite episode. That's when the Tony Stark, that's when the Stark Enterprises bomb, industry bomb, like, comes through, takes out her parents. They're trapped for a few days. And Agatha, like, pops back into the scene that she's forced Wanda to relive. And she's like, you were using probability hexes. And Wanda was like, no, the bomb was a dud. And Agatha's like, no, but we're going to take this further. So we then... We we then jump to young teenage Wanda as a Hydra volunteer. And this is the point where Agatha suddenly decides to get like high and mighty. And she's like, you joined a terrorist organization after your parents were killed by bombs. What is that about? And Wanda just is very simply, I we wanted to change the world. Anyway, um, it's Hydra. They don't really follow rigorous lab testing protocols. Um, and <laughs> what they do is they basically throw Wanda into a room with the Mind Stone. Because you'll recall that for a while it's imprisoned in like the Tesseract. It's blue and glowing as opposed to what it is when it's embedded in Vision's head. But Wanda goes comes up to it, touches it, the blue falls away, we see the Mind Stone kind of like explode radiant light into her face, and she's washed in light, and it's effulgent, and there's like swelling music, and then you see the silhouette of a woman floating in this big yellow light that's bathing Wanda, and it's very Scarlet Witchy looking, but before we can get any details, the light fades, Wanda's been permanently zapped into like higher echelons of witchiness. Naturally, nobody knows this, because Hydra. So... After that flashback, the next one we go to is her in the Avengers compound right after the events of Age of Ultron, where she's alone with her grief and she's watching Malcolm in the Middle to try to make herself feel better. Vision comes in to comfort her and um, says like one of the most beautiful things about grief. One One of the finest, I think, television moments I've seen, not like... Best of WandaVision or best of Marvel, but like best TV was that little encapsulation right there. Yeah. Um, The whole scene is just great for for how Elizabeth Olsen is fantastic. And she basically has to do double work because first she's the grief stricken teenager on the bed. Um, uh, Vision is tentatively trying to bond with her because you remember he was a sweet, naive killer cyborg thing. And you see that and then you see the older Wanda reacting to seeing vision reaching out to her in the depths of her grief and just the look on her face is heartbreaking and exquisite and we even see agnes wipe away her tear too and then agnes wishes her to um the last of her super traumatic flashbacks and and this is a hard one it's wanda going to the sword compound to ask for vision's body back and what we see differs tremendously from Hayward's previous testimony towards the rest of his sword lackeys. Because in prior episodes, remember, he's like, she stormed the facility, she absconded with the bodies, she's clearly a terrorist threat. What happens in Wanda's recollection is she goes, she lets herself in after being, she, she lets herself in rather than me, key card swiped in so she can go see director Hayward, who is quite nice to her in the flashback. He's like, oh, it's an honor to meet you. I'm so sorry for your loss. It must be super tempting to reboot him. And she's like, no, that, that's not why I'm here. I'm his next of kin. We need a funeral for him. And Hayward invites her to look down into the giant operating theater where teams of technicians are effectively strip mining vision. And he's like, this is the world's most sophisticated sentient weapon. I cannot ethically or morally let you take this. 
you know, it's, I'm sorry, I can't. And um, also, I cannot let you bury $3 trillion worth of vibranium in the ground just because you're super sad. But if you want to say goodbye to him while you're here, this is the best I can do for you. Um, and part of me was like, the stone ghoulies on that dude, because we uh, all, yeah, we all know what she can do, right? And instead, he's like, nope, nope, can't do it. So anyway, poor Wanda looks down. She like zaps away the, the glass between Hayward's window and the operating theater, goes down and in another heartbreaking moment, like leans close to his little dismembered head and murmurs, I can't hear you anymore. Um, you're not here. And it's tragic and it's heartbreaking. And then she walks away. She walks out all alone with her grief. Gets into and a sense. <laughs> yes, hi. I went well, I went back and watched. Uh -huh. uh, because I remembered Hayward saying that she stormed the compound. So I went back and pulled that up and to see, because I remember we saw footage of it, but it didn't quite look like that. And all we saw was um, when she said, when the guy says, you know, you have to get, you know, let me let you in or whatever. And she says, I got it. And she blasts the door open and we see that. And then it's a smash cut to her at the window and she shatters the glass and it all rains down on everybody. And then she floats down to the ground and everybody has guns pointed at her, which yeah. is all, which all is stuff that happened. But then that's all we see uh, when Hayward is relaying this to the team, when he says he finally got clearance to let them all know that this is what happened. He's basically like a YouTuber who makes misleading videos. He's gross. Yes, that's um, absolutely what happened because it doesn't fit his narrative that she well, was trying to be decent and that he mm -hmm. was more or less cool about it, you know, for the most part and told the soldiers to stand down and all of that. So that piece I thought was very interesting. I did go back and look. and that's Yeah, why. so we're going to go back and talk about like Hayward and the question section because yes. that whole segment introduces it. But we're, we're still back in the, the super sad Wanda recap part, which is... After she has said goodbye to her beloved and and left him to be strip mined by the flak by by the by the flunkies in bunny suits, she gets in her sensible red sedan. It's like dark red tying into the the whole Scarlet Witch thing. She drives to Westview, which looks really run down. It's like the type of town that Bruce Springsteen would sing about because it's all run down and the mills closed down. There's no jobs at the factory or whatever. Also and, Jersey. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. You get the reference. And um. As she's driving through the rundown street, she's just taking it in. And we see a guy who appears to be Herb. And we see um, Mrs. Hart sitting at a coffee at a coffee table looking like really nervous and unhappy. And we see that the mailman, whom um, uh, Bunny Delivery Dude, is delivering pizzas instead. There's like a real focus on him. Mm -hmm. And Wanda drives past the dilapidated pool which is still full and I cry foul on that because it would absolutely not be it's a lawsuit waiting to happen that way um, <laughs> and then she stops at the foundation of a house and we see that she's holding in her hand a deed of property that's made out to uh, Wanda Maximoff and the vision um, and again I'm going to get derailed with a slight quibble here up until the up until like the events of a few weeks ago Wanda Maximoff was an international fugitive. Like, there is no way anyone would be selling property, not even in a rundown Bruce Springsteen, New Jersey town. Any hoodle. Let's not get distracted by whether or not criminals can buy property in New Jersey. It's a silly question. I'm sure it's never come up. And we'll get to... <laughs> not even... No, once. no. Okay. The fact is, it is New Jersey. 
and you can do anything. <laughs> and that's why she can. Is yeah. that yeah. is that the point? Exactly. Okay. But the whole point is that Vision had given her the deed, and um, he wrote a note on it saying for us to grow old together or something similar. And it's the heart around his it's a red uh, it's, heart around it's it. a red heart around the note so all of a sudden the heart in the calendar and the heart in the credits last week make complete sense so she walks into the um unfinished foundation of her house and this is when she's just finally overtaken with how alone and angry and bereaved she is and she lets out this primal scream and appropriately enough from the heart all of this red magic bursts forward and like she's lifted up by it she's transported by it she's just screaming and she's so 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 grief-stricken and she builds the sitcom house around herself or rather the sitcom house swirls and into being around her and you see the red wave wash over Westview and turn it into an idealized American television town complete with a Lagos cleaning supplies billboard. (laughs) Um, And then you see some of the yellow light that indicates the Mind Stone splitting away from the red light and it forms vision. And her, her primal scream ends with her back on the carpet like standing there in a little bit of a daze looking around these surroundings uh which which mirror the dick van dyke show and then looking at 1950s era vision and he looks confused for a moment and then he looks at her and his entire face just lights up and he says wanda and i know swoony right dreamy heartbreaking and poof all of a sudden she's basically donna reed and pearls and we're back to the beginning of the show and Wanda is watching her show self and vision on the couch together. And she looks up and she sees the bank of TV lights vision and Wanda have disappeared. She sees that it's a TV set and Agatha's like, okay, fine, whatever heads outside. <laughs> she has the kids on purple magic nooses. And now Agatha's super peeved because she's no closer to figuring out how Wanda did it. She's just peeved because the one thing she's figured out is that Wanda's not supposed to exist in the world because Wanda is effectively an embodiment of chaotic magic called the Scarlet Witch. Dum, bum, bum. So that's our big corporate crossover. MCU finally has the rights to use the name Scarlet Witch in conjunction with Wanda Maximoff. Very exciting. <laughs> Huge development. People should be writing think pieces about this for weeks, obviously. Um, so and episode- one more thing. I was going to say episode ends, but we have a mid-credits scene. And how much do I love that that has become as associated with the MCU and their format as yes. any of the TV tropes we've seen in the last seven episodes. The mid-credits scene, we have Hayward in his little compound. And Hayward's excited. Oh, he's got it going on. He's super happy because, as it turns out, he has been building um, something we might as well call double vision, a blue panel. <laughs> <laughs> a blue analog of Vision himself, and they're going to use some residual magic clinging to the drone from a few episodes back. Actually, I don't think he's blue. He's white. He looked blue on my screen. He, he could be white. He, me. Yeah. He's like on the cool spectrum. And um, I, I'll get to it later when we talk about the comics, but there's a reason why he's white. Oh, man. Anyway, old double vision there is just kind of a statue until, I guess, like the finest minds in technology figured out a way to somehow transfer red chaos magic from a drone to a to, to a, a, a vision clone, because the last thing we see is, is 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 his fingers twitching as he's zapped with magic from from Wanda's 
you know, from Wanda's previous drone antics. And uh, the implication is now that in episode eight, they're going to have uh, another sentient weapon heading into the hex to, to, to make things go boom. Yeah. And folks, uh, I'll cut to the chase. That's our big bad. And that is, by the way, my theory, the actor that Paul Bettany wanted to work some himself himself that's mine yeah too. he always wanted to do that he he played my theory is he played us all for suckers yeah ah. that's that's 100 percent my theory as well because everybody okay. else is like it's Ian mckellen no he wants to work with yo and griffith as reed as reed richards and, and no no i yeah. wanted that to be true but then when i saw the end of this episode i went uh-huh. oh well of course, yeah, that's, right? <laughs> that's exactly what it is, is, yeah, the, the mind-blowing cameo is that he gets to face off against himself. So, on the one hand, if true, clever, but also, <laughs> but also if true, oddly disappointing. <laughs> yes. If true, yeah. if true, then I know how the series ends. Oh. Okay. Would you like to tell us, or should we all be kept in suspense? Well, let's go to the... This goes back to the whole comics thing for me to ramble for like five minutes. So you, we don't oh, okay, do you don't. Yeah, we have, we I'm have totally that, flexible so. on format. So let's switch up the comics tie-ins and the round, round robin what we loved. Let's just go straight to comics tie-ins because Don, you can't drop something like I know how this is going to end <laughs> and expect us to be like, oh, we love the part where Senior Scratchy eats a, eats a cicada. No, no, we're going to want to find out how this ends. Uh, we need we to are going to go to comics and MCU tie-ins starring. Dawn. Yeah, so this was in the in the mini contorted retconned versions of the visions development in the comics. Uh there's one case, I think it was called I can't remember how long ago this was, but it was the Vision Quest uh storyline. And basically uh they uh, the Rogue government agents uh, uh, who are in league with some other character's name I can't remember abduct the Vision and dismantle him, and the the Avengers recover the parts and and rebuild him, but with a chalk white complexion, right? Okay. Uh, and but he doesn't have the original uh, mind of the Vision, his emotions or anything else like that. So there's no Jarvis in Vision. Yeah, there's no Jarvis in this one. They okay. they had sucked him dry. And so uh, uh, what happens is later on, uh, there's an integration with what was left over of the original Vision uh, into this one. And the brain patterns from the person that Vision was originally uh, based on, you know, because he's a synthesoid. Yeah. And basically he gains the the new body that they reassemble. Okay. Right? So mm-hmm. it's a remerging of the vision. And so it's my theory that if they're going by the white visions uh sort of storyline and resolution, mm-hmm. you know, he's gonna do battle with himself, but in the end, and I bet it's Wanda that does it, he's basically going to remerge and take over the real, uh, real body so he can exist outside the hex. Oh, okay. oh, I hope that's the case. Yeah, me too. Because on the one hand, um, you say this is the big bad. I still say the big bad is grief. Um, I've been kind of dreading the 
resolution of the Wanda vision story, if it's going to have to be, then she comes to term with, terms with her grief and erases everything, including vision, because I would love to see him more in the MCU. And I'd like to see her get a little bit of a, of someone in her corner, as opposed to having to be like a plucky single mom with twins. <laughs> I would like literally one thing to go her way. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's kind of where I'm at with this. Yeah. What I don't know is what happens to Billy and Tommy. Yeah. But as uh, Agatha said at the end, you know, you're the creator, you know, you're the, you can the prophesized creature that can, that can create life, create yeah. something mm-hmm. from nothing. Yeah. Because she, she said, showed Wanda in the beginning before she, she took her back in the past. She showed her her tricks for doing things, but she was like, you know, I can't do what you do. I don't know how you do that. Remember yeah. how Agnes, when she was Agnes, before we had it confirmed she was Agatha, when Tommy and Billy said, you know, uh, you know, bring the dog back to life. Mm-hmm. Agnes was like, you can do that? Because obviously yeah. that is beyond uh, Agatha Harkness's magic. Right. I honestly feel like she killed Sparky to test Wanda to see if Wanda could resurrect things from the dead because she wanted to te- wanted to test her limits. That's that's entirely of. possible. It's also entirely possible. It's my theory mm-hmm. that Hayward knew Wanda was coming and then had his team take uh, the vision apart so he could get a reaction out of Wanda. Yeah. That maybe he oh, could yeah. get that magic yeah. right then. He absolutely played her. Whatever, like. To what end we still aren't a hundred percent. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is he wants with with double vision, but uh, <laughs> or snow vision. I keep I kept wanting. No, to call I, I'm, I'm just going to call. I double like vision. double vision, uh, yeah. Kelly. Yeah. I, um, I like double vision. I think like I, I I don't know what it is he wants out of that unless it's just um, you know uh, again he's from the school of we got to blow up the things we don't understand. So I want the thing that does the blowing up the best. Yeah. Um, which may be all the more there is to him, which would be sort of disappointing, but um, but likely. So, yeah, that was uh, th- that was my, literally my first question, not for unanswered questions, but for the Marvel segment was Don. Does White Vision have a deal? Like, do we know anything about this iteration <laughs> of him? I just like the phrasing of that. Does he have a deal? Like, what is his deal? He's he's basically a synthetic being without a soul or... So he's Siri, is what he right. is. Right. Yeah, he's basically Siri, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, he's like the original uh, Jarvis before he became self-aware, right? He's just, an, he's just an automaton. So that was, yeah, that was my Marvel question, was uh, is that something that they're introducing in the show or is it something that uh, we have seen before in some fashion? So that was my question. Uh, The thing I wanted to say, was that the Marvel segment? I don't want to jump ahead if we're done. Yeah. 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 Uh, There's a, there's a few more things I think we'd put in the, the Marvel slash MCU segment, um, which uh, I love how they keep asking her where the accent comes and goes from. Like Agatha mentions it, and you're all, "Oh, come on, man, really?" Um, yeah. <laughs> this is what you're paying attention to right now with yeah. everything going on. Well, I, her I, accent, yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. Um, the uh, other, the other tie-ins we see, we, um, we, I, I like how Pietro's edited out of this. Um, at, but like, you don't see him in his little uh, 
Hydra facility. And it's too bad they couldn't get Thomas Kreitzman back for any part of this because he's he's always fun. Like, I really like him every time yeah. I see him. But um, I do like that we did get a flashback to the experimentation. Um, With recast uh, Hydra folks whose names yeah. are eluding yeah. me at the moment. Help me out here. Help the old guy out. I can't remember. I Strucker. Was, ah. The recast Strucker. We could probably do the if we want to like sh- shout back to previous episodes. Um, uh, you remember that Wanda's watching the Brady Bunch when she's in isolation after having you know yes. been had her world rocked by the Mind Stone. Um, the doll that Cindy Brady is carrying in that episode also shows up in episode three of WandaVision, which is pretty wild. Um, I liked there was the continuity thing where Vision just keeps walking through walls like he did in mm-hmm. um, Captain America: Civil War. Where, you know, in Civil War, she's like, we've talked about this. And, and I just really like that. Apparently, they've had to talk about it because he just keeps doing it. Um, so so there's a little bit of that, too. What I liked about this is it backfills in a lot of Wanda's story. Mm-hmm. And don't you wish this was in the movies? I do. But to be frank, given how tightly the movies are focused grouped and how... There still is a perception in the film industry that movies where women are appealed to are not all audience movies or specialty movies, whereas movies that are meant to center a male protagonist are all audience movies. Um, I don't think it would have ever happened. (laughs) But TV, on the other hand, is someplace where you can actually give these kinds of stories um, room to expand and to grow. But I am glad that we got it here and Mm -hmm. that we've gotten so much more Wanda. Yeah, uh, because yeah. the development of her as a character is interesting, and I've been enjoying watching this happen as it unfolded. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's been super fun. And yeah. what I what I've really enjoyed is you know all these actors just phoning in their performances here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! The one somebody, tier? somebody better get an Emmy. For- <sighs> the one so, tear yeah. I can't feel you anymore. Oh. What I what I also think is really interesting. Um, shall we get to the round robin stuff? And go, um, I go, need go to say it? the one thing I can boil. I can actually boil down as much as I loved about this episode. I think the testament to its greatness of the eight we have to choose from is that we discover. Oh, by the way, Pietro. We were calling him not Pietro, but Pietro, which I thought was Pietro. Funny. Yeah, um, I love how she basically does the internet thing with that. Yes. Um. We find out 100% stunt casting because Agatha's like, I, you know, like he was just my eyes and ears. And she and she says, like, you know, I couldn't actually bring your brother back because his body's on another continent. And like we find out it was 100% stunt casting and I didn't care. (laughs) You're like not even mad that we're not going to get like Nicholas Holt as Beast at the MCU. I'm like, oh. Okay. One thing I'm curious about is, yeah, yeah, I, and I can live with that uh, too, is how are we getting the multiverse? Well, I think Doctor Strange is going to take care of that I think that's someone us. else's problem. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. I like, again, this is the other theory I had that collapsed out from under me, but uh, I'm, I'm not even mad about it. Like, I just sort of very much enjoyed that at least, like, it got addressed. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. because she's like, oh, I know he didn't look like your brother, but, you know, it's not like that was going to be a reality. And it was just so funny to watch this unbelievably magically powerful woman be like, it's not like I can do that, you know, which also was a very nice moment in there. Well, this is the thing I like about Agatha as a character. I'm I'm declaring it round robin now. Um, 
this is the this is the thing i like about agatha as a character is she might have some innate talent like this is what we see in the 16 in in the salem but like the thing she's really really peeved about through this entire episode is she's mad that someone who doesn't know the rules and hasn't studied and taken the courses and gotten the accreditation and done her time. She's mad that someone with all this raw talent managed to do something that she has not been able to figure out how to do in 300 plus years of dedicated Mm -hmm. witchcraft. Like this is what drives Agatha is her. How dare you, ma'am? I mean, like it must be how like, how how like other basketball players felt when Michael Jordan just rolled up on the court or <laughs> yes <laughs> or like how any ballet dancer feels the minute Misty Copeland hits the boards but mm-hmm. um yeah you know like a lot of what's what I thought was so fascinating is she's genuinely ticked that like book learning wasn't enough her whole moment there like right at the beginning like you know talk about again talk about a phoned in performance right yeah uh-huh. there's two pieces of it because I watched it a couple times through uh-huh. once I realized we were sort of done with that piece I went back and watched it again because it seemed like there was more there and there's like a whole episode just in her saying I didn't bake I didn't break the rules they bent to my magic and then her mom and like I wasn't a hundred percent on it being her mom as much as like maybe like the the witch that brought her in and like was raising her as a witch or something but sort of like you know she says to her I could be good yeah and then and, and then know, her mom and, says and no you can't mom's like mm, pass and then you know, okay, well, you know, if if you feel that way about it, uh, watch mm-hmm. me turn your blue beam purple, and here we are. And like that, I feel like there's there's more to that story. I don't know if we're ever gonna get it, but there there was a lot of background in there that was a very like fraught with meaning moment. You know, what was it that she did that got her called on the carpet right there with the blue, you know, with the magic blue handcuffs and everything. Let's also not look at this from like a 21st century perspective, because for all that they're witches and witches are therefore rad and timeless, um, they're still also products of their time and place. And um, I would suspect that like there was some ambient Puritanism. And so the idea is that once you say yes to a sin you have become inherently more sinful by your nature. I'm guessing that's where Ag- Agatha's mom was coming from. Okay. Um, it's almost to, to, to introduce an exciting, incomparable uh, crossover event. Erica Enzen and I are doing a podcast <laughs> and Erica Enzen and I are doing a podcast where we're rereading the Julian May books. Um, the the whole galactic milieu thing that she has going on it starts with the Pleiocene epic and then we've moving into the galactic milieu trilogy and there is a point where one of the main characters who happens to be a Jesuit priest is discussing um one of the series antagonists who also happens to be somebody that this priest loves very much and they say yeah but the whole point to um choosing to do the whole point what they're arguing is it doesn't matter what caused you to choose the path at some point you make quote unquote the final fatal yes and so i feel like this is where agatha's mom is coming from where she's like you got to this point i watched you say yes to something you should have never said yes to the fact that you could choose the yes and then think there were no consequences tells me you're never going to be good 
So well, th- this speaks to the end of the episode where Agatha tells Wanda that, you know, about her power and how dangerous she is. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. of the, ch- even though she, Wanda doesn't understand it, the, the choices and inherent power. So I, I think that's Lisa, I think that's very, very true. It's like, because it's bookending the show. Well, yeah, except for the intercredit sequence, but it's bookending the show. Yeah. yeah. There's this, the, the choices that are made to, to embrace the power and, the difference between Agatha and Wanda, I would argue, is that Agatha made those choices and made that final fatal yes. The choice Wanda made was not to embrace any particular sort of magic. The one time she made, she she made she said her yes, it was in the service of I need to change the world because the world has taken away who I love. Mm-hmm. That seems to put Wanda on slightly different footing than than Agatha. When she remakes Westview and creates the vision it's almost as if that's happening to her yeah in other words she's not there Mm -hmm. starry-eyed casting spells it's being wrenched from her soul and she says that too like i don't know because agatha keeps leaning on her how did you do it how did you do it and she says i don't know wanda's fatal yes as it were is the minute she joins hydra but yeah. but what I would argue is there's a big difference between being shepherded into magic by your mother, who's really clear about the rules, which is what a- happens to Agatha, versus being a vulnerable orphan who is volunteered for lab experiments because that's how the terrorist organization finds you useful. Right. And when Wanda says simply, "I we wanted to change the world, it's pretty evident why she'd want to change it. Whereas... Agatha's approach in the very beginning, she's like, I, I just found a way to work around the rules or I found a way to bend them. Um, so the implication is Agatha's fine with the world's rules as long as they apply to other people. Whereas Wanda's like, the world is pretty terrible. I'd like to change it. This is the only tool I have at my disposable right, my disposal right now. So yeah. I think the show makes an argument that character counts, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and, and I think there are little examples of that all through the yeah. show. One of my favorite things in the show you touched on it earlier was the scene uh with wanda and vision and then we see that elemental goodness and character in vision you know in that line that he says it was just totally a stab to me right in the fields oh but what what is is grief grief if if not not love love persevering persevering. yes yeah and so but the key thing here is that what we see through all these episodes of WandaVision so far is that vision still exists. Yeah. That's the one that's in Westview. That's the one that was just torn out in that yellow beam, Mm -hmm. out, out torn out of Wanda and created. So he is the real vision. That's his consciousness. That's his soul. Just like when, uh, Wanda told Clint, told Hawkeye at the end of um, in um, uh, Endgame when they were talking about her uh, vision and Black Widow when she says they know and that's because vision was inside her. She has that power to do that. Oh, and, and even Hayward knew that. 
this ties into one of my questions, which is Wanda was Wanda was transformed, or rather, like her her she had the innate magical ability. And what Agatha says is, "Oh, it would have withered on the vine, but being exposed to an Infinity Stone really made your powers bloom." And we know it was the Mind Stone, which is the yellow light, and. What you'll remember from Age of Ultron is when um, Ultron has conscripted Dr. Helen Cho into making his little synthesoid body, um, and we watch it be manufactured in Korea, Wanda leans forward and she touches, you know, her hand to to the, the coffin so she can, and she's like, he's dreaming, and she's already touching his mind. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's not like you, he's dreaming. And she's marveling at this. And... What I wonder, um, and we're still not done with the round robin, what do we love? Because there's still more, there's obviously oh, yeah. still more. But what I wonder is, um, since vision was, the, the vision that she knows and loves is the product of the synthesoid and part of Ultron's brain slash Jarvis's brain. Like it's it's Jarvis, it's the synthesis, it's Jarvis, it's the synthesoid body. It's the mind stone and Thor, you know, does the zappy thing and animates it all right and wanda's powers were amped up with the mind stone i wonder just as souls get sacrificed to the soul stone for to tap its powers if wanda and vision are somehow connected at the mind stone level like we'll find out that oh because, yeah that because we'll find out that because totally vision that. was brought into being from the mind stone and wanda's mat cast magic was unleashed with the mind stone it's somehow always connecting them I think oh, that's absolutely. I think that's true, and I also think that's one reason they're attracted to each other. Yeah, I thought that's what got them together. So yeah, really, I, I, I that like literally never occurred to me. Um, to be honest with you, the reason I thought that they got together was like screenwriter convenience. Um, and then- <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought most it was it it was that I had forgotten that the Mind Stone was in Loki's scepter. Yeah, the um. Other thing I thought always made narrative sense is, you know, you had a being that was essentially really naive, and then you had a bereaved person who was reeling, and that the two of them fed a need for companionship into each other was the other reason. Yeah. But, but like, the fact that the mindset might have nudged them into place honestly did not occur to me until I watched the Wanda origin story, because it just it just yeah. never did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if they ever made the link that way so in obvious. the comics but from the very beginning wanda and the vision were always together i mean that romance and having the kids and getting married uh and then later separating uh they've went through a lot of grief uh back and forth i mean that whole storyline is uh, let's see what are we talking about here 40 years old at least that's a lot of grief that's a lot of grief uh, to go back for a second to you know the character the character of people you know influencing that like we actually saw some of that because uh, we got the breakdown from Agent Wu uh, during that same scene where we get the recut footage of Wanda taking Sword HQ by storm and oh not storm that's a different movie and um she when we get that 
they're talking about, you know, who she is and kind of what she's about. And he keeps saying, yes, she, you know, she did bad stuff before she redeemed herself with good stuff. Well, and then she did this. But then afterward, she did this opposite thing, you know, like, and you know, wasn't she fighting against the Avengers? Yes, until she earned their trust and became one of them, I think is what he says. So we hear about how, yeah, in real life, like Wanda's good. Mm-hmm. You know, like given the opportunity, uh, you know, she she's will she will want to do the right thing, the the good thing, you know, and and all of that. So, like, I th- I feel like that's another one of those pieces that going back and watching again sort of makes more sense. Yeah. What I really loved about this episode is it's one of the few times that any character in a superhero universe has been allowed to simply exist and grieve and sit with their trauma. Mm-hmm. Because like in a lot of these, this is actually why my husband um, tapped out of the movies after Captain America Winter Soldier is he's like, I'm just tired of the big, dumb, destructive movies where whole cities get blown up and then they're back at work like nothing ever happened. Yeah. And what I really loved about this was how it shows that each of Wanda's griefs and losses shape who she is. They don't necessarily define who she is, but the fact of the matter is she wouldn't have wanted to change the world as much as she yearned to if her Mm -hmm. world hadn't been changed on her in the first place, right? Yeah. And then she wouldn't have wanted to stay with the team she was originally fighting against and um, try to change the world that way if she hadn't been afforded an opportunity to go be an Avenger when Clint was like, look, if you want to stay here, stay here. That's fine. I'll send your brother to get you after your back. No one will hold it against you. It's totally understandable. But if you want to be in the fight, be in the fight. This is a chance for you to show us who you are. And um, he actually does that speech again (laughs) in um, Captain America Civil War when he's like, you screwed up and that's fine, but you have an opportunity to make up for it now by helping out Cap. So you can sit here and feel sorry for yourself and do penance or you can try to make it better. And Wanda chooses to make it better. Like both times she makes that hard choice. Yeah. And then you saw her with, um, you know, watching somebody literally saw apart the body of the person she loves most in the world, who is the yeah. one thing she had left. And she doesn't burn the place down then. She's calm, she's like calm and polite and vulnerable the whole time. And the story we get with Wanda through this whole episode is somebody who whose character like when she makes her fa- when she makes her choice it's not a final fatal yes it's always somebody who's making a yes towards something better yeah you know she and wants I- the world to be better every time that's why she's like i'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself i can yeah. contribute yeah to making the world better i can contribute to changing it and maybe yeah. if i contribute enough i'll change it in my favor and you know, i think the way. thing i love about this the show is it fills in the gaps that the movies have because in the movies it's like oh she zaps things around and she makes she screws up and mm-hmm. is the impet- she screws up in like two movies straight but here we see somebody who like bravely lives with her own screw ups and keeps getting up and trying again and i love that it fills it in and it gives her that that dignity that the movies don't have the space or that or or the the plot reason to do so, like, this, I've become, like, a huge Wanda Maximoff stand over the course of this series. 
Yeah, I, I, I love her. Yeah. And part of it is Elizabeth Olsen's acting is just exquisite. Like, just watching her act and react in every single one of those flashbacks was, was just unbelievable. I was in tears at several points. The other person who does a marvelous job in this episode, of course, is Catherine Hahn. Oh, yeah. And uh, Paul Bettany's uh, performance. Oh, man. I mean, he has to do so many ludicrously stupid things in those outfits <laughs> and that makeup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and by the way, for a man who's uh, almost 50 years old, he is quite buff, by the way. Oh, I feel that poor man has probably not had like a piece of white bread since 2010. That poor yeah. guy. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I've heard of your French fries, but I don't know what they taste like anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he he thinks of them fondly, like an old friend, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I remember um, them. We both graduated in 1990. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I. but the subtlety of his performance, I thought, well, I was just stunned by that. Just watching you, the way his face you're, shifts. You're dressed like, you know, uh, like an eight-year-old doing pretend. But you get past that, and that's that takes some skill. Um, I think everybody in this show is just wow, just fantastic casting. Uh, yeah, some of it, of course, is legacy there. casting, like uh, uh, like uh, uh, Darcy Lewis and mm-hmm. uh, Agent Wu, obviously, because they were in the MCU before, and obviously uh, Wanda and Vision, but. Uh, you know, you live by your choices. I wonder if uh, Billy and Tommy are going to make it at the current actors they've cast there as is in the uh, teen Avengers or whatever they're going to call them. I don't know. Uh, where they um, have uh, Wiccan and Speed in there. Yeah. I also want to give Josh Stamberg, who plays agent, who who plays director uh, Hayward. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Stamberg is doing a very good job with his role. He which is. is. I like really del- hate him. Which is like deluded, idealistic bureaucrat. Um, and, oh, and yes. Because so, he's, he, he's like mildly charismatic, too. Mm-hmm. And I got some Nick Fury vibes off him in the sense that Fury has no problem lying to people to get them to do what he wants them to do. Like, this is a rich tradition in MCU. Yes, in the service of, of what you need to do for the organization. Absolutely. In the service of what you need to do for a greater good. Mm-hmm. And so to have um, to have that tradition continue i was like oh okay i i've got his playbook now he's like he, you know he 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 knows how to deal with people in different contexts and like mm-hmm. just just the way he deals with wanda where he very cleverly appears to capitulate to her by having her come and so he can talk to her and he's very gentle and very deferential and very no no don't don't shoot with her uh-huh. and then but when you see him in the field he's like an absolute pillock <laughs> i gotta tell you as a former third level manager a director actually uh-huh. uh at a uh a large uh fruit company it kind of hits home uh the things he's doing because you you understand all those techniques mm-hmm. uh and um you know i don't know how many times i've had i've resorted to uh, the George Costanza line to explain to somebody else and an up and coming manager, whatever. It's not a lie if you believe it. 
So yeah, Stenberg's uh, performance uh, as director Hayward's like, yep, been there. (laughs) My husband and I used to write for Television Without Pity back when it was still up and running. And then we wrote for the successor, previously TV. And one of the assignments we had, which was actually pretty fun, um, our assigning editor thought it'd be fun to have a married couple uh, react to The Affair, which is a Showtime show. Oh, yeah. And so, like, we'd have to watch the episodes every week and basically have a discussion with each other and turn in the discussion. And that was the recap. And Josh Stanberg was a regular on that. And he was, like, our favorite part of the show. So it's <laughs> it's been, you know, I'm, I'm also glad to have a chance to shout him out here, too. But um, I also really loved, uh, before we get to the question thing, I love how by the end of it, when Agatha has fully leaned into, like, her whole witch getup, like, they use a lot of makeup to make her face change and make her sh- her features look sharper and more evil. Mm-hmm. And I love the attention to detail that the hair and makeup team has had the whole time with, you know, how they present the costumes and the hair and the makeup. And um, they do just such a great job of visually broadcasting where people are at any point in the story. I just, oh, I love it. Well, the, the thing that hit me is when Wanda drives through West, Westview and you know your description of it as being like a a a Bruce Springsteen lyric come to life Mm -hmm. uh the the expression from all the great other great supporting cast in the show who have no lines Mm -hmm. but are are body acting yeah yeah Oh my God. And the attention to detail with everything. Nobody goes to bed early who was involved in the production of this show. I mean, it's just really obvious. And not only they're working hard, you can tell this is a labor of love. Mm -hmm. Oh, there. Yeah. The care in this is through the roof. Like, yeah, you can, the attention in all of it. Absolutely. It's it's just such a delight to rewatch. Like it really rewards it, and I love it for that reason. Um, Elizabeth Olsen is just turning in career best work, and and like I, I've seen her outside the MCU too. I wa- like I really like her in Wind River, where she has a really nice rapport. Jeremy Renner's in that with her too, so it's kind of trippy to see them playing non MCU people, and it's a really <laughs> it's a really fun film. And um, Ingrid Goes West is another one where she's just completely unlike Ma- Wanda Maximoff, and she she sells it, and she's very compelling and um but the work she's doing here like what i like about the casting and the work is nobody's condescending to it or giving it a wink and a nod which which is one of the things that you kind of have to do like in these movies is even if like fundamentally it's not serious you have to take the world seriously you know the thing that's going to be disappointing to me in a way is the next two upcoming uh mcu series on disney are focused with male leads and i just hope we don't have a uh, a testosterone uh contest with uh falcon and the winter soldier or even with loki i i i, I suppose want... we should congratulate you on on saying the name of that series correctly because i'm still thinking oh, falcon is i've been practicing lisa i've been practicing <laughs> uh because the the thing the thing is uh And I also, I don't want to have to have a female lead just to have a touchy and feely show. Yeah. That also seems cheap. I want my touchy and feely no matter who's cast. That's what I'm getting Mm -hmm. at. It would be nice if Falcon and Winter Winter Soldier. Soldier. Okay. (laughs) I actually had to like concentrate on shaping my mouth to say that. 
it would be nice if Falcon and Winter Soldier focused in part on like I don't want Disney Plus to be all grief all the time, but right. it would be nice if it focused on the element of bereavement that's going to come along with Steve Rogers not being part of their world anymore. Or um, another way you could also look at it, um, and this is sneak preview to those who have subscribed to my email uh, newsletter. I think there's a really persuasive argument to be made that WandaVision is ultimately a story about immigration as well as grief. It's a story about the immigrant experience in America. And um, I think there's wow, a... Wow, I hadn't thought of that. Good one. <laughs> almost done writing it. It should be going out by the weekend. <laughs> but I I would love to see um, if Falcon and the Winter Soldier... <laughs> Maybe we be... can compromise on like the Falcon and the Soldier. Fal- Falcon and the Winter Snowman. Um, <laughs> the there Winter we go. Snowman. Uh, anyway, I want to see if we could do something where, where Bucky Barnes has to decide if he's going to live in the world as it is now or just be angry about the world as it is now. Yeah. Like, what does it mean to choose to move with the times as opposed to make your stand and say, this is it, I'm not changing anymore, um, mm-hmm. I can't roll. Like, I would love to see the feelings that go along with with feeling like you're out of touch with the world you live in. And that would be a great series for that. It could be about the displacement and the sense of loss of identity that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very interested in where that's going to go. Because like you, I don't need everything to be all loss all the time. Yeah. But... Um, I also want to know if they're going to push the envelope a little bit. And, uh, you know, there's been, yes, it's comic books, but they've been a certain amount of sort of science fiction-y, I guess, yeah. in some ways. And I kind of want, and, and part of what I always enjoy in the stories that we get is the small moments, the human moments, the the relationships, you know, um, Hawkeye and Hawkeye and Wanda you know those moments where they have where you know they have this obvious relationship and and you know those pieces of these that we get like that's part of the the scale of it like you see that part so you know what they're fighting for you know what it is they're doing you know uh Clint at home with his family when during the snap like you know that helps inform a whole lot of what he does for like two movies after that so that stuff is the stuff that I think is important and I but I also want to see them do a little bit more of what we got with the last handful of Marvel movies because like Thor Ragnarok while absolutely a Marvel movie is absolutely not anything like any of the other Marvel movies. Oh and, yeah and, well, well, and that's a comp- it, that's a compliment, it, right? But what's yeah, interesting oh, yeah. so what's I interesting about like Thor Ragnarok and Captain Marvel and Black Panther is those movies, you could almost say that those movies are in dialogue with the phase one movies. Because in the phase one movies, you've got Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, and although the whole point to the first Iron Man movie is, oh, the Iron, you know, he develops a conscience and decides to start fixing the world. That movie is still a celebration of the fact that Tony is very, very rich and became that way from exploiting the world's inequalities yes cheerfully and without remorse right and the first thor movie is basically all about isn't it great isn't primogenitor simply the best (laughs) um and um the first and the first captain america movie is 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 basically um we can justify a lot of things in the name of patriotism because we're swell and you take a look thor ragnarok is it comes down to 
oh crap, imperialism is a bad idea after all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, Black Panther is a movie that like seriously interrogates the notion of what it means to like, what is a moral or ethical way to assert power in a global community? Like, that's the movie. That's the question. That's the debate. But they have would, the debate shirtless sometimes, though, but they have the debate. I would posit, though, mm-hmm. that that contrast that you're very correctly showing there, mm-hmm. I would posit that that is intentional on Kevin Fahey and the other um, uh, creators, because that yeah. is exactly the arc of comic books themselves. Yes. That you're talking yes. about. And it's over wild. The, you know, 70 year history of these things. And- but what is wild, Don, is you get to like Captain Marvel and the movie is about the unreliability of uh, the unreliable narrator, the unreliability of memory and what happens when people are manipulated into using their their own power to 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 perpetuate their own oppression right yep. yeah and that kind of goes on in wandavision i'm super excited to see where the shows are going next and where the mm-hmm. movies are going next by extension because we're now heading into like the fun period in comics where like all sorts of reckonings are yeah. beginning to happen <laughs> it's gonna be i think it's gonna be super super fun and you know one of the things that i have enjoyed about this is uh, you know, we've talked about it on every episode because we have the section of like, um, how does this correspond to the comics? And, and actually, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm i cutting you off, not cutting you off. I'm interrupting only because I ran over Don earlier because I was so excited to like back up his idea. <laughs> um, and what I'm hoping, Kelly, when you're done is Don can be like, okay, since I'm tight with the history of comics, which you are, Don, don't deny it. Here is where I think the next shows and the next movies are likely to yeah. go with this dial. Well, the thing, all I was going to say, the rest of the, the other half of that is um, uh, because we got like this episode, you know, previously on, uh, if you watched zero Marvel movies, you could sit down and watch this show and get something out of it. And it would make more sense to you at the end of the eighth episode uh, you know who Wanda is. You know what her deal is. You know what happened. You see how she got to be where she is. And all of it makes sense. And you could, I had my doubts about it. And, you know, Lisa, you and I have talked about this. Like, you know, I I don't want to have to do homework in order to consume an entertainment unit. And, uh, and that's one of the things that I think is really hard. Because like we talked about, like, it's been like 70 years we've been doing this. And... Uh, and and so not to have to have that if you have it there are many things that are fun or entertaining or that you pick up or that you know ahead of time uh you know in some way like you know how are they going to solve this because i know how they did it in the comic books and that piece of it is really interesting if you have it but if you don't have it you can still have a good time and that's been the thing that i think they've done a very very good job with in, in all of the Marvel entertainment units that we have received that are not comics. I, I think the, uh, without an allusion to anything going on in the comics, um, as the comics have matured over the years, uh, there have been, you know, nostalgic dip, uh, dips back into the past of, uh, you know, shoot 'em ups and things like that. But I think what Kevin Fahey and his team are really trying to deceptively do on us is they want to stop making movies and what they want to do is make films 
if you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Okay. And there's still going to be some spandex spectacle. Of course. So they can pay the bills. But that's not mm-hmm. what they care about anymore. They they care about, I think, uh, I think it was uh, the last time I heard this quote, it was from George R. R. Martin. And, uh, you know, they care about... Um, uh, they care about the internal uh, uh, story. You know, what makes a great story is to is the human heart in conflict with itself. Yep. And you know, Marvel just knows how to tell those stories w- with an epic background, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's you know sort of their like little stylish thing. Um, and I think the kind of goodness that we're seeing in WandaVision, frankly, the kind of surprise that I had in Avengers Endgame for how good it was. And it was probably the most spectacle-like of spectacles. Oh, absolutely. The parts that I go back and rewatch are not those battle scenes. You know, it's things like Hulk sitting around the table with Cap and Black Widow uh, and Ant-Man... And just talking about shit, you know, uh, uh, things like that. It's when uh, the Hulk and Rocket go uh, pull Thor uh, out of his funk. Mm -hmm. You know, good God, you know, they don't have to be superheroes. You could just be watching ordinary people do that. That's, you use this fantastic background not to wave the fantastic background that it's fantastic. You, you just use it deceptively to tell these other stories about real people. Yeah, and yeah. they are turning that, oh, they're so sneaky what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and I love that. I love that because it, it just means this. Oh, sorry. This stuff is going to get better. So with the caveat that no fandom is in direct competition with any other fandom, and that comparisons are just made to perhaps illuminate the nature of one or the other. One of the things I think the MCU is doing successfully that perhaps the Star Wars fandom, that perhaps the Star Wars extended universe has not is the MCU is successfully dragging its fan base through maturity. (laughs) Yep. That is exactly it. Because what they're doing is they're saying, okay, here is our starting point for an understanding of the world and the ground level lessons that we learned in our understanding. The lessons get more nuanced over time. And what's more, your priorities will shift over time. And that's perfectly fine and normal too. Um, Because among the relation, I think it's super notable that in Avengers Endgame, the most... There are a lot of relationships that have heft and so on and so forth, but the ones that are given a lot of emotional beats are the parent-child ones. Like, we get to see a lot of Tony Stark's domestic life, comparatively speaking. Uh We get to see the fact that Hawkeye goes just completely mental when his family is snapped up. Um, Like, he is not... It's not like he's listening in on a radio to what goes on with, like the you know avengers infinity war like no one is like radioing him in so he can keep up with the action like he couldn't care less and but you know like his little mini arc is basically 
oh crap, I lost my family. And yeah. then you see him basically like almost lose his mind again when he does the time travel chest test, which he only does because he thinks it's not going to work and he wants to die. And mm -hmm. then there's the nice scene at the end of it the, where, where like the phone rings and it's his wife and he loses it again. The panic that Scott Lang has when he's searching through the the plinth looking for her name, looking for Cassie's name. And he's like, Oh, please no. Oh, please no. Yeah. Oh, please no. And then he finds her and he's like, I have missed five years of your life. Oh my God. Like those are all just amazing beats and stories. Um, yeah, you, you just brought up Tony Stark and that like he got that arc. Yeah. Yeah. Which hadn't occurred to me until you brought it up because we had just pointed out like, look where he started remember yeah. um because it's been like 200 years since it's been first so many iron man movie so many out. movies the, so the many movies thing is is you know fahey and his team are playing a long game because what they did do oh, yeah. us back in 2007 i think it was is they set up this huge difference between tony stark and steve rogers and by the time you get to in uh the end of endgame They've essentially, in a way, changed places. Yeah. yeah. And who who takes that long to tell a story? <laughs> oh, Marvel. We all do. Yeah, yeah. Marvel We does. live our stories. And, and I you really know? respect that. That's like WandaVision. I was thinking about this. Uh, you know, the episodes are about 35 to 40 minutes in length. And by the time we come to episode nine, we will have a, you know, what is it? A, a Once Upon a Time in America uh, times two length story yeah. right here. It's a movie. It, the whole thing is a, is a movie. It's not just TV episode. Yeah. I mean, you watch them, you would watch them back to back because it's just one long story, more so than any episodic TV I've seen in a while. Yeah. And it just, it like it hit me in the face. And that's also another kind of payoff. Mm -hmm. I respect that. I think we're going too long, boss. No, well, we've got really long. long. We do. Why don't we do our quick, quick? Well, I, I think this is an extra long episode. And in some ways, it's been a payoff of stuff that the MCU established. Yeah. Um, many thousands of movies ago. And, um, yep. and like I said, obviously, I've been processing this in real time, I guess. Um, we all do have questions left to answer in Kelly's crazy conspiracy corner. So, um, Kelly, what are some of the questions you have left, but that, that, that you're wondering, well, if we'll get to in the next episode? Um, well, the next one sort of depends on what happens in the episode, but, uh, what happens to the boys? Uh, like, are mm -hmm. they, are they real? Because they are, they did not exist when Wanda started this. And so I'm wondering about them. Um, I'm going to just preemptively plus one Don's question about where's Dottie. And um, yeah. <laughs> I and think I, I was wrong about Dottie. Okay. Yeah, there oh, we go. Wow. I don't. I don't because we have another episode. Um, and Don, we know how that goes. Yes. Um, and my other question is, uh, well, I mean, we, we didn't get any of the rest of our uh, the Scooby gang, like in this episode, we didn't get any of them. So like what's happening with, with those three. So I kind of want to know like where they are in this moment and find out, uh, like, I, I still want to know if we've met a scroll because we have no confirmation of that yet. And, uh, yeah, I mean, those were the big ones was like, what's going to happen with the boys 
and uh, who's Jimmy's witness? Because it still doesn't. Who's seem Jimmy's like... witness? I yes. know. It ah! still doesn't seem like he has come across that person yet, even though they had that whole wall of everybody with their names and everything. Like we don't, we never saw him go. There they are. You know, Here is my crazy headcanon for that. If yes. they never do it, um, please tell us. Dottie is his witness. I wonder. Oh. And the reason he hasn't put her on the board or brought it up is because he doesn't want to draw attention to her since she's in witness protection. Okay. Oh. That's my... That's Holy my... bleep. That just makes total sense, Lisa. Yeah, I can't believe I, that. It that's crossed my, my mind. That's my, that's my theory, and our payoff is going to be him finding her and her being like, I need to go someplace else. Just just put me someplace else, please. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, totally yeah, because it. we know she's a bigger... That's totally it. She's a bigger part. Yeah. Um, I also, like, now that we know why Agatha is there, because we know, we do know, why, we do know... Like, now who she is and, and what her deal is. And so I still sort of wonder how she's going to tie in to, like, anything else. Because, like, you've said before, Lisa, like, we already live on a planet of magic users who are out of their little closet. And so, like... Including Agent Wu with his card tricks. Ah! <laughs> Oh my exactly. gosh, they should just take him to Tamarkaj just to lighten the place up. <laughs> right? So this is so the thing that I wonder is um if if there's gonna be like another sort of axis of villain, like now that we know why she's there. So Oh, oh I see what you're getting at. Well, could be, right? Yeah. yeah. So Kelly, you actually raised um we've covered several of the questions that I had the big one I have is who on earth thought it was okay for Wanda to go fetch Vision's body by herself. Like, I, I think the thing that I'm going to come back to, and this was actually my complaint. I've had this complaint since like Captain America, Winter Soldier, because no, because like, okay, listen to me. In Captain We've talked Amer- about it. Yeah. In Captain America, Winter Soldier, like shield bleeping falls and none of the Avengers can be bothered to call and ask if anyone's okay. Like uh-huh. Captain America and Black Widow are on their own. They're all over the place. They're they're dodging all sorts of, of, of forces of evil. And like Washington, D.C. has ships falling from the sky. And mm-hmm. I guess Tony Stark is on vacation. Um, or I guess that, um, you know, <laughs> Hawkeye, who is a S.H.I.E.L.D. employee, is is like on sick leave. I don't know. Like. Yeah. So it bugged me in that. It bugged the heck out of me in Iron Man 3, where, like, literal lasers are coming out of the sky to blow up his house. And again, like, none of the Avengers, like, start a group text all, you okay, Tony? Do you need an Airbnb? Like, none... And, and, like, the thing that I find especially egregious in this case is... We know what happened is everyone blips back into existence. Wanda has enough time to clock that her boyfriend's body is nowhere to be seen. And then Falcon's all, hey, everybody, a bunch of magic users have opened up these glowing yellow circles because we have to go fight more bleep and space dogs and this jerk hole Thanos. So off off they go to do that. She very nearly beats Thanos before plot contrivances happen. (laughs) They have enough time to throw a funeral for Tony Stark where the entire known world is there. And literally none of these a-holes who fought with Vision, who fought to keep him from being beheaded by 
by by Thanos. None of these guys, and and all of whom know about the relationship between Wanda and Vision. Like right. literally, none of them were like, "We don't think you should be alone right now." So why don't I help you retrieve Vision's body? Like she's on the run for three years with Sam. That's like a whole thing at the beginning of Avengers: Infinity War, where you see that like Steve has the freelancer beard going now, and Black Widow <laughs> is like the de facto big sister to Wanda, and Sam is is the one who's who's the adult keeping everybody on track like all of this is sam is the one who's left and it literally never occurs to him that maybe he should see how wanda is doing like all of these people who know that she's a super powered witch are like oh sure let's have the grief crazed bereaved wit- bereaved widow lady run off on her own without any friends or any support we gave her a cheeseburger at tony stark's funeral we're sure she's fine like it just drives me scared. and it's latest in a series like it's not like this it's not like vision's the one bad thing that happened yeah in her life so it never occurs to anybody like they they always do these big crossover type events where it's heavily implied that they all know each other and team up together and all this and then the minute any of them actually need a team no one's around and i get that there's budgetary and schedule limitations and so on and so forth but this just doesn't track with how normal people or even even abnormal people this doesn't track with that how how sentient beings interact with each other like i just don't get how the marvel universe can be so siloed about these things when they're like oh yes a key member mm. of the avengers has a house blow i just up. want our listeners to realize how much i live in fear of you lisa that you'll hulk out on me sometime like this <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I, okay no, i've got a i've got a question or a plot thing that's yes. bugging me yes, ever since please. i got to the end of the episode mm-hmm what the heck in the entire 40 minutes that Wanda is being tormented by Agatha is is Captain Rambo doing is Photon doing yes the last time we saw her she's standing at the top of the the cellar stairs with uh uh with Pietro trying to give her the to make her poop on herself uh giving her the jump scare Mm-hmm. So what's been happening that entire time? And then when they bo- all run outside the house, she's not out there. Nope. So what did we miss? What happened to yep. Fietro? Yes. Yeah. So what happened to Monica? What happened to Fietro? So yeah. and also, how long is it, is it going to take Vision to fly from the edge of town where he was in the stupid truck with Darcy? The funnel cake truck. Back to, yeah. yeah, funnel cake truck. Inside, it ain't going to take him 40 minutes. True. I wonder if this is going on simultaneously with the with the vision having woken up and um, having suffered through the whole circus set point set pieces and then driving okay. driving the, 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 the delicious funnel cake truck at like 30 miles an hour mm-hmm. with with multiple obstructions. Um, like yeah, we I, don't know I, the exact overlapping time. But I, I get the sense these things were kind of happening in parallel because this episode picked up immediately where the last one left off. And um, Wanda didn't have much of a chance to hang out and, and feel sorry for herself on the couch before Monica came. Right. And um, so I think what we can infer is that um, we didn't, is that there was a fairly short period of time between Monica becoming Photon and her finding Wanda. There was a longer period of time before between Vision coming to 
and um, snapping Darcy out of the illusion and then them escaping and, and getting going. If you counted that all at the same time, that might add up to yeah. this amount of time. I, I think so. so. Yeah. Um, but that still doesn't answer the question with uh, about Monica and Fiatra. We don't know where she is. No. Yeah. Gonna, I th- That's I th- still a good question. I think we're going to find out, but yeah. yeah, not yet. Or we may find out, we'll, we'll get like the jump scare where Fiatra, where, where it turns out that, that Agatha <laughs> is so distracted by what's going on with Wanda, she can't sustain the magic for Fiatra and Photon yeah. disintegrates him. Something, anyway. Well, because we also don't know how long this took, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I know this whole episode played out for us in real time, but it could have been, like, ten minutes, yeah. you know? Or two, or, you know, whatever. Like, we don't know how time works in Agatha's world, so... No, yeah. that's a good point. Because we also know that time moves differently in the Hex than it does. Right. It. So, so there's that. It, maybe it was a month. We don't know. So, yeah, yeah, it'll be... I think it'll be interesting to see. We have one left. Yeah, I'm wondering if we're going to see anybody from um, Kamertage or or that crew in general, just because they already know that Wanda's a magic user. And if there's this much of a disturbance that it's bringing out rogue yeah, witches. She's, she's yeah, you're wanting you want to radar. see a guest shot by Wong, right? Oh, my God. I'd love a guest <gasps> shot by Wong. Yes. Oh, I love him. I love him so much. I do now. Oh, <laughs> I love him so much. Well, I just love the idea that he would, you know, appear at the end and just sort of be very put out by the whole thing, like having to come clean up after all this magic. To, yes. I, I'm very entertained by that. He'd be uh, like, I hate moment. Jersey God. Yes, that would that would exactly be his attitude. And it would be hilarious. I would love that. Yes, I love him so much. So it's it's just uh, I and I really like like that whole little weird branch of the MCU. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. No, it's, um, I am filled with, I'm still filled with like little niggling questions. Like why so much attention on the mail? Mm. Like, what was the point? Do you know what Reddit was going on like crazy this week? They were certain that he was Mephisto. <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to well, get Mephisto in here at the last no, minute. No, I don't we, think so. Reddit Not is with... certain about, was certain about Mephisto maybe until this morning. I mean. Oh my goodness. Oh. Well, that certainly would be a thing. Yes, Amazon is Mephisto. Um, <laughs> I, um, the thing, the other question I have, and I actually was wondering what your theories are about this, is if you'll remember in the um, last set of credits we had, which was an homage to The Office and to Happy Endings, mm. there's all those shots of Wanda, 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 and there's like a ransom note in the middle that says, I know what you're doing, Wanda. Yeah. Who placed that there? Well, I mm. would think Agatha. Agatha, oh, okay. I think, yeah. So was that since she so clearly didn't know what Wanda was doing, do you think she was trying to psych Wanda out, like mess with her head the same way she tried in the 1980s sitcom? And yeah. uh, OK. All right. Just just checking. Just checking. I think so anyway. Yeah. Because I was also wondering if it wasn't Wanda subconscious. I'll look. I know you're escaping things, but I, I also have another prediction here for the final episode yes. that we will not get all of our question. <laughs> answered. No, oh, no, 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 no. The, the final episode would have to be. About three and a half hours long. The question I have about the the end is uh, if we're going to get, uh, you know, the balance of the questions we want answered from this, but also uh, pave the way for Doctor Strange, because that's what's coming next. Yeah. And that's what so. she's she's supposed to play a big role in that. One. Yeah. And that was sort of what I was given was this was going to lead kind of into that. So 
That's my question. About but, you know, they say big role, and that could either mean that she kickstarts the plot and she's significant plot-wise, or it can mean that she has more than five lines in the movie, which is a dramatic departure from her previous uh, outings. So, True. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I feel like we've really, like, unpacked this one <laughs> to the best did. of our abilities. Remember um, when I told you it was going to take a while to unpack this one earlier? Yes. Like, oh, yeah. no, we can do we don't need to rewatch. Oh, no. And we didn't even get into what the heck senior scratchy eating bugs. Oh, my Seriously. gosh. Not even Ew. bugs. It was a bird by the time oh, I he know. got a hold of it. Yeah. Oh, what is senior Rabbit, scratchy? Rabbits. Yeah, I grew up on a farm. Rabbits, they're filthy animals. Just don't be surprised. <laughs> But do they mow down birds as snacks on the no, regular? No, it, I mean, it was, it was back at, to being a bug by then. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought it was the bird still. I was like, geez. Like, what do we not know about Senior Scratchy? Yeah. Let's wrap this up. Um, okay. I want to thank all of you who listened to an episode that is probably twice as long as the show itself was. Um, if not three times. <laughs> oh my Easily. gosh. Yeah. yeah. I want to thank you all for engaging with us. I also want to thank those of you who have been reaching out and reacting and responding on Twitter. It is a delight to know that you're out there with us. And yes, we are thank you. very appreciative of you. We we are edified that there are so many other insane people out there. <laughs> uh, so far, I think my my personal favorite is your recaps are great. Who could have imagined that Westworld would have prepared Don and Kelly so well to discuss a trippy referential TV show about sentient androids? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was perhaps a little bit too on point. Uh. <laughs> Three seasons of Wild West sex robots that, you know, you got to have that under your belt. If that doesn't prepare you for something, then like, what are we doing with our lives, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So um, I am Lisa Schmeiser with the Wild West Sex Robot Squad, Kelly Gamont. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us, Lisa. And Don Melton. Bye-bye. <laughs> I killed Sparky too.